Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. So if you see somebody that give their life to the Lord, you say, hey, you're still doing this, you're still doing that. Stop looking at the fruit level. When the Lord is doing the work at the root level and work being done at the root level takes time to see. You got me? By the same token with you, stop judging yourself by your fruit. Continue to let the Lord work on your roots. And I'm telling you to do that, you must continue to declare who you are in him and who he is in you. That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and the righteousness that he gives you has nothing to do with how you act. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Kingdom Rock, let's welcome our online community. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another service here at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. We pray that today's message will be impactful and inspiring to you, and, would, and it will help you to grow in your walk with Christ. Welcome. All right. So today we want to continue in the series, Tell Hell No. Now, this will be, I believe, part number eight in that series. God has made you supernatural creatures. You are supernatural beings in Christ Jesus. And the Lord has given you tools in which to operate in this world today. Now, let me say this, too, uh, as we're about to really get cranked up here. Now, it is a misnomer, and I want you to hear this. It is a misnomer in many of our churches uh, in the United States and all around the world that some people... Um, they are chomping at the bit, so to speak, to get in the pulpit to sing or get in the pulpit to, to teach or to preach. They think that that is the, all the thing to be and the thing to do. You got me? And there are people jockeying for position. But this is a small area compared to the rest of the world. We are here to be trained to go out there and minister. You are equipped here to shine there. You got me? So it seems like much of the church world has been turned inwardly. Inwardly. We want to shine in the building. We want to see, we want others to see how bright your flashlight is in a room full of flashlights. But your flashlight has definition in the dark. So we have to remember that we worship here and we really serve there. Really serve outside those doors. So who you are needs to be seen every day of the week. Every day of the week. Hallelujah. Not just here in church. Now I had a dream. Let me tell you just a little bit, little, little bit of this. I had a dream. I won't tell you the whole thing, but in the dream just recently, a few days ago, uh, I had another heavenly, heavenly vision, heavenly dream. And in this dream, I found myself just flying. Oh, my goodness. I love to fly in my dreams. My goodness. I was just flying, flying, flying. And then at one point, uh, Tamara, at one point, as I was flying, I stopped flying and I sort of began to drift back down. And then the notion hit me as like I heard the Lord say to me, you know, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to go back down. You can remain where you are. And I thought, you know, you're right. So I began to fly and I just stopped and I began to walk around on that level. 
began just to walk around on that particular level. I flew up and then it was like it was solid ground. I just began to walk up there. I didn't have to come down. I could stay up. And in that, the Lord began to sh uh, share with me uh, the anointing that we operate in different seasons of our lives. You don't have to come back down. You can stay on that level. The same anointing that you possess uh, as you sing or as you administrate, whatever you do, when you do it, you don't have to come back down. You can stay up and you can stay just as anointed every day of your life. The circumstance or the situation does not have to dictate to you how much power goes out of you. You can be just as powerful every single day of the week, but you can choose to fall down or you can choose to remain where you are. You got me? All right. So we've been talking about inheritance for quite a while, and we're going to continue to talk about that because inheritance, your inheritance in Christ is your key to the kingdom of God. It is your key to the supernatural. Your inheritance literally is a difference in will make the difference in you walking um, or living under the circumstances of life or you walking above the circumstances of life. Your inheritance in Christ makes you, again, a supernatural being. Now, you can continue to be a natural person if you want to, but living in this life will require, living victoriously in this life will require the power of God um, in your life to, to make, make sure that you're able to go above the things of this world. Now, inheritance is what Jesus left behind for you in order for you to occupy until he comes. You need to know what your inheritance is and how to operate into it and how to operate in it. Now, the Lord gave you this inheritance when you believed in him. Now, remember, the word inheritance simply means what he has designated for you to have, what he has portioned out for you to have. There is a possession that God gives to you now to operate in now um, while you're on this earth. Now, you need this power now. You need to be able to communicate with God now and live a godly life now to live above the circumstances, to have the devil under your feet now, because when you die, you won't need all of that. You won't need to have the devil under your feet when you're in glory. You won't need victory over devils and demons and all that stuff then. You won't need money then. I mean, the heaven is so rich that the streets are made of, of gold. So you won't need all of that, but you need it here. Now, as we said before, uh, prayer has value, uh, and fasting has value, coming to church has value, and studying your Bible has value, and um, helping others in need has Bible. Memorizing scripture has value, but none of those things I've just mentioned will actually take you to heaven. You get into heaven or right standing with God by believing in Christ alone, by believing in Jesus so if someone were to come to the altar or maybe somewhere else and say, Jesus, I give you my life, and they truly become born again at that moment, and if they die the very next moment, they go straight to heaven without having done all the things that we just talked about. But if you're going to live past that moment, then you're going to need to go to church. Then you're going you're gonna to need the fellowship of the saints. You're going to need to pray. You're going to need to commune with God. You're going to need to fast. You're going to need to give. You're going you're gonna to need to do all these things because these are all tools that the Lord Jesus gives you, that God gives you uh, to be successful in this life, to be an overcomer in this life. You got me? But for some reason, people begin to major in these things when the main thing that keeps you right in the sight of God is Jesus. 
is the grace of God, learning who you are in him, learning of your rights, your privileges in him, learning of your inheritance. You got me? So today, let's talk about, we're going to continue to talk about uh, the struggle uh, of the struggle between law and grace, grace and law. And you've got to understand who you are. Now, we've said before, and the Bible says it, and many of you have quoted this from time to time, you believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But understand that that righteousness is something that we have to declare over our lives daily. I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. Because you can only inherit, you can only be or become more than what you are when you, once you stand on the foundation of Christ in his righteousness, in his righteousness and not on your own. The Bible says that, uh, that we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Well, the faith that he's talking about is the faith of Jesus Christ, knowing that you are the righteousness of God in him, knowing that you are walking in his grace, living by his grace, his unmerited favor, not by your own works. We walk by faith, faith in Jesus and what he has done, and not by sight, that is by the works of the law, by your own human effort. This is how we must live. And when we fall from grace, when we fall from, from faith, that's when we get into sin, and that's when we get into worry, that's when we get into fear, and all these other things that drag us back down and kind of force us to live a natural life. You got me? So we can choose to either live in freedom, or we can choose to live in bondage. And it's going to be that way. So I want to show you something that the Lord said here in Matthew 22. We're going to start here today. Matthew 22, uh, verse number, we'll read a little bit, verses 1 through 15, and then we'll talk about it. But I want you to keep in mind as we talk about uh, this grace of the grace of God or the goodness of God or the kindness of God. And as we talk about law, that is religion or human effort, Okay. You're going to live by or walk by faith and not by sight. You're going to live or walk by faith and not by sight. And that is the faith that Jesus Christ has delivered to you. All right. And so here the Lord says here, and Jesus answered, again, this is Matthew 22, verses 1 through 15. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king, which had a marriage for his son. Now, right away, let's stop for a second. This is the parable the Lord is, is speaking about here. God the Father is the king here. Jesus, of course, is the son, the S-O-N. His bride, remember he said a wedding or marriage, so there has to be a bride that is also present. All right. The father is the king, Jesus is the son, and the bride is his church or the remnant of his church. There's a remnant of people that are that are known as bride. And we're going to explain this to you all later. Not all not all the church are considered the bride. Not all the church are considered the bride because the Bible says in Revelation that the bride has made herself ready. The bride of those that are full of Christ and the bride of those that are led by the spirit of God. The bride are what we would call the true sons of God. 
Now, you'll have other people, and we'll see this in this context, other people that are truly born of God, but they're not the bride. Because you can have people that are truly saved, they're really born and they're really saved, but they can still choose to live a carnal life. They can still choose to walk by sight and not by faith. These are the ones that habitually quench the spirit of God. These are the ones that have fallen from grace and not walk by the faith that was delivered to them, but walk by their own human efforts. There is a doctrine that is going on uh, through the church today, today, and it has been for many years, even uh, here in Bible times, that, uh, that the sacrifice of Jesus was not enough. They simply say that you have to supplement what Jesus did upon the cross. It wasn't enough. They say faith in Jesus, yes, and now you also have to do your best to live right. That makes you worthy in the sight of God. Believing in Jesus plus you living right makes God loves you, makes you accepted in the sight of God, makes you good with God. That is a lie. That is another gospel that Paul uh, preaches about. That's not the pure gospel message of Jesus. What Jesus did was all in all. He said, it is finished, it is complete, it is done. So now we have righteousness with God by the finished works of Christ alone. Nothing added. Nothing added. Still, there's another school that says you have to earn your way into salvation. They say, Jesus showed you how to do it. Now you do your best to live like him and then... When you get to heaven, maybe you'll make it in. We're still not quite sure if you're saved or not because we don't know if you've done enough work. That is another gospel that is really not the pure gospel that Jesus came to bring us. That's not the faith that he came to bring us. You got me? So think about those terms as we, as we go through here. And I want you to see what Jesus dealt with. And so it says, verse 2 again, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a, a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants uh, to call them that were bidden to the, to the wedding. And they would not come. Verse 4, again, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatling are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage, and they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. And when the king, rather, verse 7, but when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their cities. Then saith he uh, to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye uh, shall find, bid to, the, bid to the marriage. Verse 10, so those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Verse 11, and when the king came, uh, came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. Verse 12, 
He, and he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king unto his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Verse 15. Then, somebody say then. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. Why is that? Because the Pharisees knew that Jesus was directing his comments to them. Now, understand something. Let's go through this just for a moment. A wedding was made. And again, the bride are those who made themselves ready. Now, the Lord distinguishes this in many cases in Scripture, again, where all the church are not the bride. All the church will not make themselves ready. In the parable of the, uh, of the virgins, five foolish, five wise, they were all virgins, all set aside for the Lord, but only five were ready, only half were ready, and they went in. The others that were also virgins was set aside, but they did not go in with the Lord. They would have to go through a tribulation period uh, until um, to the Lord return once again. So much of the church, and there are other cases as well, I can show you in Scripture, much of, again, much of the church is not the bride. They have not made themselves ready. They are not being filled with Christ. They're not being filled with the Word. They're living a carnal life. They're living after their own passions. So in this wedding ceremony, you will see that those that were bidden or those that were originally invited to the wedding, they simply made light of it. They made light of the king's kindness, right? They made light of it. And they said, oh, we don't want that. There's no need for us to go. And then, then of course, they, they um, killed the other servants that came to invite them as well. Now, of course, when the king heard about it, he uh, sent forth his armies and judgment fell. So we know that the first guest that were invited was really the nation of Israel. Jesus said he came to his own, or the Bible says Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. So this first group talks about, again, the, the Israel, the nation of Israel that did not receive him. Then the Lord has to go send his messengers out to the Gentiles. That's us. And they go out into the highways and byways, right? Now, those that are, um, so when the king sent them out, when God sent the prophets, uh, the servants out to invite the Gentiles, us, he knew that the Gentiles did not have a royal attire. Now, these were people, going back into a parable, that were on the highways. These were people that were um, homeless people. These were people uh, that were merchants, or these were people that were probably prostitutes, or people just wandering from city to city. There were all kind of people in the highways. And so when the invitation came, they had to go at that moment, come to this wedding that the king uh, is, is giving for his son, come to the marriage. And so none of these individuals had the appropriate attire. So the king was financing uh, their appearance at the wedding. Now, so when all of them got there, and again, some of them may have needed a bath or what have you. They were all people that were living in the streets or all in the streets. So in order for them to be made right in the sight of king, they had to all go through a process, as Reverend James talked about last week. So they had to be bathed. 
They had to be uh, washed. Maybe their hair, their hair uh, had to be done. Maybe they needed a, their nails filed down or what have you. Teeth needed to be brushed. They needed some perfume, some smell good on. And last, they needed some other type of clothing to put on. So this clothing was then the righteousness of the king. This was uh, an effort to make them look right in the king's sight so that they could be fit to be at this wedding ceremony. And so they all had to go through a process. And as we just read, there was one man that refused to go through the process. In other words, he was he felt as though he was fine just the way that he was. He refused the king's kindness. He made little of the king's kindness which is exactly what the first group did. They made little of the king's kindness. That's what made them unworthy. So the king cast them, cast that man out. In other words, the judgment fell upon that man as well. Now, going again, if you're looking in the actual wedding ceremony, you see the king, you see the, the bride, rather you see the groom, the Lord Jesus, and you see the bride, the remnant of the church that have made themselves ready. And you also see the, the, the guests in the, the wedding ceremony. The guests are not the bride. The guests are the remnant of the church that simply lived a, a carnal life that did not walk by the faith, but that lived after their own appetites and their own passions. Now, they are saved. They still have the righteousness of Christ abiding on him. Remember, the word inheritance means uh, a, a gift that is irrevocable, that cannot be taken back. Once you are born of God, truly born again, it cannot be taken back. Once you're in the Lord's hand, you cannot be snatched out. And so there are a group of people that are looking, that are, they are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, but they're not the bride. Now, the Lord has this, uh, and I love this, he uses the terminology of wedding, of, um, of marriage, husband, wife, and of course he says it also there in the book of Ephesians, to show to you his, really his end time plan. And that is for the church, his bride, to become one with him. We see that also in John 17. He wants you to become one with him. He wants you to, to operate in his same giftings. He wants you to operate in his character and in his nature. All these things are laid before the church even right here today. And the same thing is true for us right now. At this very moment, the gospel is being preached right here in this church, right online. And some are hearing it and taking it in and others are making light of it. Some are preparing to be the bride of Christ. Some are preparing and listening to the voice of the spirit that they may be led by the spirit of God. Again, those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, all will hear the voice of the spirit, but all will not adhere to his voice. All will hear the voice of the shepherd, but all will not follow his voice. Only those who adhere to what he's saying and follow what he is saying, God will call them up higher and he will show the world who they really are. Now, let me show you this as well. You'll notice as well uh, that Jesus had to deal with this multiple times in Matthew 9, chapter. Let's go to Matthew 9. 
Matthew 9, let me show this to you because understand, this is the battle that you and I are fighting today. Fighting the battle of living by grace or living by the law, of walking by faith or walking by sight. Your life, the amount of victory in your life will be determined by what you choose to live by. If you choose to live by the knowledge of who Jesus is and who you are in him, regardless of your actions. Now, I want to, before we get to Matthew 9, let me bring back to your attention that when the servants went out to find other guests in the highways, they found people that were good and they found people that were bad. None of them had to clean themselves up before they went in. None of them had to show their credit report. None of them had to show their religious preference. None of them had to show their sexual preference. The Lord invited all of them. And when they came into his presence, he cleaned them all up and he made them ready. None of them were pre-qualified. He just said, everybody come. And here's another issue. We can pre-qualify people and tell them you have to do this and that before you come to the Lord. And it's simply not true. It's simply not true. Many times we can major, and please hear this, many times we can major in evaluating fruit but not understanding the root. Why are people acting this way? There's a reason why they do that. You can pull down the fruit off the tree till now, to whenever, but that won't solve the problem because the fruit will simply grow back. I thank the Lord for uh, Reverend James's brother, Rocky. Uh, what is his first name? Jonathan, that's right. He's a Rocky, yeah, of course, but his first name is Jonathan. He was sharing some things with me uh, last Sunday. It's what's so, what's so, uh, very true that we have to evaluate, or really you don't have to evaluate at all. Don't You have to look past the fruit and trying to get to the root of it. There's a reason why people act the way they do. So accept them the way they are and allow Jesus to change them. But he often changes them at the root level and not at the fruit level. So if you see somebody that give their life to the Lord, you say, hey, you're still doing this. You're still doing that. Stop looking at the fruit level. When the Lord is doing the work at the root level. And work being done at the root level takes time to see. You got me? By the same token with you, stop judging yourself by your fruit. Continue to let the Lord work on your roots. And I'm telling you to do that. You must continue to declare who you are in him and who he is in you, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the righteousness that he gives you has nothing to do with how you act. It all has to do with how he act and what he did. All right, let's look at Matthew, Matthew 9, verse 11 through 13. Y'all see with me today? You got to help me. Matthew 9, the 11th chapter, rather Matthew, the 9th chapter, verse 11 through 13. And it says this, and when the Pharisees saw it, talking about Jesus, they said to his disciples, why eateth uh, your master with publicans and sinners? Verse 12, but Jesus uh, heard, rather, verse 12, but when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
Again, think about the same man at the wedding celebration that had an opportunity to receive the king's kindness. He rejected the king's kindness, thinking, I'm all right the way I am. I don't need what you provide for me. Jesus has to deal with these same people, and he tells them, I'm not here to call those uh, I'm not here to call those that were whole or those that were well. I'm not calling to deal with you. I'm calling to deal, coming, coming to deal with those that are sick. Now, the Pharisees were sick as sick can be, but they thought they were whole. They thought they were well. So the Lord is kind of, kind of pushing off on them. He said, no, no, no. He said, and, he, and again, he says, I'm not, I'm not called, I've not come to call the righteous, but those who are sinners. Again, he's throwing off on them because they thought they were righteous, but they were not. So here was the battle. They thought they were righteous because of what they were doing. They thought that their works would make them right before God, and it was simply untrue. Look at Matthew, the fifth chapter, Matthew, uh, fifth, Matthew 5, verse 20. And look what the Lord says about their righteousness here in Matthew 5, verse 20. He says, for I say unto you, except that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, what was the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? They were depending upon the law to make them right. They were depending on their righteous actions to make them right when it could not, it cannot Let's bring it to present day. Once again, if you are depending on your coming to church to make you be in right standing with God, you've missed it. If you're depending on your tithe and offering to make you right with God, you've missed it. If you're depending upon your prayer record or your Bible study record to get you right with God, you've missed it. Only faith in Christ Jesus, believing in what he has done for you, living and walking in the faith that he has provided will make you right with God. All the other things you do will help you to occupy in the earth. These are all tools that you need to be successful in this life. You're going to need to know the word of God. You're going to need to have intimate times in fellowship and prayer with God. You're going to need to give. You're going to need to fellowship. All these other things are tools that you're going to need, uh, that you're going to use to make sure that you have a successful Christian life in this lifetime. But we shouldn't get things twisted. Are you hearing? Now, this same thing, this same uh, war between law and grace, you'll find also further through the New Testament. Let's, let's go to the book of Romans. Romans, the 10th chapter. I want you to see this. Romans 10 Verses 1 through 4. I hope this is becoming very clear to you. Romans 10, verse number 1 through 4. And it says this. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Remember in the Lord's parable, they rejected Christ. The invitation went out for the wedding. The first group, those that were invited initially, they rejected him. So Paul is praying here, I pray that Israel be saved. Because the Bible says Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. So he's still praying. Now this is after the, after the Lord's um, crucifixion and resurrection and all the, after the day of Pentecost. And the problem is still here. 
So he says again, I pray that they be saved. Verse two, he says, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misplaced, or rather misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Do you see that? They refuse God's way. What's God's way? Jesus. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, through his sacrifice, through his blood, by believing in him, you are made right with God. They refuse to believe. Oh, that's all there is to it. Me having faith in what God provided. No, there must be another way. I'm going to continue to make sure that I pray, make sure that I give, make sure that I live right, make sure I don't cuss nobody out, make sure this. I'm going to make sure I do all these things so God will approve of me and he'll answer my prayers and he'll bless me. Got it? So we say, man, this seems clear for them. But don't you know we're still doing the same thing today? The moment you sin, the moment uh, the devil comes knocking on your door and says, you don't deserve this. God does, God does not hear you because you did this, that, and the other. You're no longer standing uh, or walking by faith. You're walking by sight. You're walking by the law. Are you hearing me? Let's go back to Romans 10. Again, verse 3 says, uh, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Listen, verse 4. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Do you see that? All who believe this is the faith that was delivered to us. This is walking by faith and not by sight, walking in the realization of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for us and walking and living in that. Now, the Bible declares in the book of Psalms that um, that as we continue, that as we live in righteousness, he says that, yeah, he says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now. You think you read that verse, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold. God said, I'm not going to hold anything from you as long as you walk uprightly. So we begin to think, hmm, Lord, I messed up. So that must mean you're holding back healing from me. It must mean that you are holding back a financial blessing from me, the job or the spouse for me. Because, Lord, I can't walk upright. But look, you're walking by sight again because it's not your life he's examining. It's the life of Christ. That's the life that he's examining. Going back to the Old Testament once again, before we go into one more scripture today. The father tried to show or he showed the people of Israel multiple times what he would do through Christ. And they are our examples today. When it was time for a worshiper, and those of you who heard this before, just go along with me, okay? When it was time for a worshiper to come in and present their sacrifice, they would bring their 
their lamb or their sheep or what have you. They would bring that to the temple. When the priest would come up and he would see the animal, he would no longer look at the worshiper because this, it was all about the animal at that point. It was all about the lamb, all about the sheep. The priest would examine the sheep for spots or for blemishes or for defects. He would not examine the worshiper. He only examined the sacrifice. The worshiper, whether good or bad, was no longer in question when the lamb was presented, when the sacrifice was presented. Once the sacrifice was thought to be worthy, then they would take it and then they would, uh, they would sacrifice uh, the, the animal, shedding his blood, and then after the animal was slain, after the blood had been applied to the altar, then they would burn uh, the sacrifice, have a burnt offering. This was the exact pattern of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood upon the cross. And then he went down to the lower parts of the earth, into hell, fire. After the sacrifice is slain, then it goes into the fire. And then, of course, the Lord was resurrected and appeared before the Father. The Bible says that he was raised for our justification. Now, all those who believe in Jesus... The Bible says have been crucified with him and we have been raised together with him. When God looks at you, he's no longer looking at your righteousness because your individual righteousness has nothing to do with it. Whether you did good or bad has nothing to do with it. If you are in Christ, absolutely nothing to do with it. He's only looking at the lamb, only looking at the sacrifice. And Jesus is always worthy. He's always worthy. So when it comes to the question of, is God hearing me? I don't think God's hearing me. I don't think he's going to heal me. I don't think I'll never get married. I'll never get this job because I've done this and that and the other. You have fallen from grace. Now you're right back under law looking at what you do instead of looking at what the lamb did for you. This is walking by faith and not by sight are you hearing this is something that you're going to have to practice because it's easy to slip right down into it at any time of the day God will hear me at any time of the day I can stand before God you can stand before God and you can pray and the Lord can hear your prayer whether you just came out of church or whether you just came out of somewhere where you had no business now you say wait now wait 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 that's, that's crazy. That's crazy talk. You mean I can go out here and I can give my life to the Lord Jesus and I can just sin, 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 sin all I want to. And then God will still love me. Yeah, that's actually correct. But understand something, too. When you do that, you will live in hell. And then die and go to heaven. Because anytime you invite the devil in your house, he's going to mess your house up. Anytime you dance with the devil, you're going to get dipped. He's going to dip you. So you say, well, I believe in Jesus and I can do what I want to do. You're going to get dipped. You're going to get dipped over and over. You're going to bring all kind of calamity and destruction into your house. How much of that do you want? And the Bible says again that 
Uh, once you are born of God and you've been freed from sin's power and control, you shouldn't desire to go back under it. You got what I'm saying to you? So grace is not a license to sin. Grace is the power of God given unto you whereby you must inherit and live a productive life in Christ Jesus to live above the circumstances and not below it. Oh, you got me. So don't walk around sin conscious. Walk around grace conscious what he has provided for you. In this way, if you're doing this, and if you're grace conscious or righteousness conscious, you'll find that receiving answers from God, receiving healing, receiving deliverance is so much easier when you don't have to worry about you. Are you hearing? Let's begin to close out here. Let's go to Galatians, the second chapter. I want you to see this, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close out here. And uh, next week we'll come back. We'll ask the question, are you living under a curse? Because you can be a born-again believer, but still live under a curse. And I'll show you that in the word of God. And we need to make sure that you're not operating your life under a curse. It's possible for you to go to church every single week and still operate under a curse. We're going to see this. All right. Galatians, the second chapter. Look at 17 through 21. It reads like this. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Verse 18. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Verse 19. For I, through the law, am dead to the law that I might live unto God. One more time. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. Hold for a second. He said, if while I'm seeking to be justified by Christ, if, if while I'm living by faith in Christ alone, I find sin in my life. Does that mean that the grace that Jesus provided uh, is wrong? Absolutely not. Remember, the Lord deals with things on the root level. The Bible says again, as a man thinketh, so is he. And you will have the confession of your mouth. The work that Jesus did for you when he died upon the cross and you received him as, as your Lord and Savior, that work was spiritual. He gave you or he created you a brand new spirit. Spiritually, you look just like him, just like him. But in the soul, in our mind, this is the part of us that needs to be renewed. And this is the part of us that needs to grow up into him. We have to grow up into our inheritance. This is the part that will, that will require you to hear the word of God and get the word of God in you and confess that word and live that word out day by day. You got me? So again, when God looks at you, he sees perfection. And we got to remember that and, and, and believe that. When, say with me, when God looks at me, he sees perfection. Now, is that hard to believe? When God looks at you, he sees perfection because he sees the sacrifice of Christ. Going back to the wedding example, to the wedding garments. He sees the wedding garment on you. 
That wedding garment or the righteousness of Christ is his assurance that you have gone through the process. It's his assurance that you have been made right with him. You are whole in him. There is nothing missing. There is nothing broken. There is not one spot or not one wrinkle upon you spiritually. You stand in the same righteousness that Jesus Christ has. And just like Jesus is accepted in the presence of God, you are accepted in the presence of God. Have to meditate on that. That does not change whether you do something good or whether you do something bad. Because it has nothing to do with you. It is an irrevocable gift that God gives to you. Are you hearing? So you've got to declare that over your life. Verse 20. He says, I am crucified, again, Rome, um, Galatians, the second chapter, verse 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the what? Faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. A lot of people are. He said, I do not frustrate the grace of God for let's look at this. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is what dead in vain. There is no commandment that can make you righteous in the sight of God. The law was never intended to do that. Your good works cannot, cannot make you right in the sight of God. If it could, if you could be righteous in the sight of God or being right standing with the sight of God by not doing drugs, by not doing alcohol or by not cursing or by, you know, by not doing bad things. If your good standing in God was measured by the good things you do, then Jesus died in vain. He endured a horrific death on the cross in vain. It was for nothing if you could have done it yourself. You cannot do it yourself. So free yourself from that level of bondage and stop trying. Stop trying to be good and be good. Stop trying to be righteous and receive the righteousness that he has provided for you. Stop trying to do it. You're trying to be good so that you can get good things. Why? You're trying to be good so that you'll be a good person. Why? God has already declared you good because you're in Christ Jesus. Now receive it. He's already declared you righteous because you're in Christ Jesus. So receive it and declare, I am that, and I am that, and live in that. And you'll find goodness following you. You'll find righteous, righteousness following you. You'll find faith in everything that you need. Everything else will, be, will just follow right after you, be added unto you. But it starts with where you're standing. So where are you standing today? Where are you standing? Are you walking by faith? Are you walking by sight? Are we dismissing the kindness of God? Yeah. I'm a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can do it my way. Uh, are we dismissing it? Or are we receiving it? Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, I pray that your word was... Um, planted deeply into the hearts of your people lord and i pray for a 100 fold return on those seeds that have been planted today lord i pray that your spirit would continue to deal with your people in regards to walking by faith and not by sight
in regards to walking in grace and not under the law. Father, I pray that your people will be free in every area of their lives. And Lord, I declare right now, because of your righteousness, because of the righteous, righteousness you have provided through Christ Jesus, I declare that curses have been broken. I declare that burdens have been removed. I declare that those that need healing are healed right now. I declare that those that need to be blessed are blessed right now. I declare that those who need financial freedom are freed right now. I declare, Lord God, by virtue of the blood of Jesus, by virtue of this gospel, that every single satanic and demonic ploy, plot, or strategy is derailed at this very moment, and the blessings of the Lord that are meant for your people are now flooding in and flooding forth as they stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for opportunities that you get to them right now. Thank you that the doors that have been held up or closed and, and sealed off from your people are now flinging open as they realize who they are in you and who you are in them. As they stand on this righteous standard, their lives are right now turning and changing at this very moment. We give you praise, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you, my friends, and we'll see you again next time. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you, and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today, only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.